HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Honeycomb Credit. Heritage Radio Network listeners can learn more about the power of community capital by visiting honeycombcredit.com slash HRN. This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. You can't have plant-based breakfast without a plant-based egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st slash HRN. This week on Meet and 3, we're jumping into a world filled with fizz, iridescence, and deliciousness. We're talking about bubbles. It came from the air gas truck. Yeah, no, I never thought about it before that. And I think it's emerged as a bulbous tea shops, a site of Asian American youth uh, identity building. We're called the invisible industry because these products you don't really see, but they're around us in every way, um, every day. Listen to Meet and 3 wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Cooking in Mexican from A to Z. I'm your host, Aaron Sanchez, alongside my beautiful mother. Sarela Martinez. And we are extremely excited today because we have two old friends, well, one old friend and then a new friend. Uh, who basically have uh, pioneered birria and all things delicious Mexican for quite some time. Uh, joining us today, uh, we're going to be talking all things birria, one of my favorite, favorite iconic dishes from from Mexico. And uh, one of our first guests, let's introduce the, uh, the the senior of the family. We have Chef Juan, or Juan Saragosa. He started making birria at his restaurant in 2007, and he's garnered tons of attention for it. I've shot there at his restaurant um, back in the day when we had my little show called Taco Trip. And we had such a good time. We sang. We had some tequila. We ate beautiful birria. And he did it in a very heartfelt way, in a very old school way, uh, literally with like a home refrigerator in the back and hornos and simple stuff. And I was just so impressed with the sincerity uh, of, of, of Juan the elder Juan Saragosa's food, and I was just taken back, and he's just an absolute gem. And then now following in his footsteps is the younger uh, of, the, of the two, uh, Jonathan Saragosa. And you have to understand that uh, nowadays with all this beautiful social media, I'm able to keep up with these very talented next-generation chefs. And, and Jonathan and I have a, a couple things in common. We started very early on in our careers. We both followed our, our parents' footsteps into the business, and we started to get really sort of immersed 
in our culture, learning more about our food and how it relates um, to 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 us as as Mexicans and and, and how we want to share that. Um, you know, he had a, a chef job at 22 years old, which I did as well. So I can share. I can know what it's like to have a lot of responsibility early on in your career. And now he uh, has opened this unbelievable restaurant. You got to go and see this man's food and taste it. More importantly. I'm so inspired when I look at his Instagram and just see the sort of aesthetic and the, the honesty of the food and how he represents. It's just really beautiful stuff. It's called El Oso, and it's in Chicago. So I want you to look that up. I tell people all the time, the best Mexican food in the United States, hands down, is in Chicago. Wow. Uh, they grew up in the South Side. And have you been to Pilsen, another great area where they're just doing authentic uh, Mexican food, but also bringing it up to different levels as Jonathan is now doing. So it's just, it, they just are in the best Mexican food town in the country, in my opinion. So that's just me. So we're talking about all things birria. So let's, let's get into it. Maybe let's go, mom. We'll start. Yeah. Let's first of all def define birria. Cause that's very important. Yeah. You know, it's, how about, how, how would you describe it, Jonathan? How would I describe it? Um, So you're asking the guy that learned how to make it from the guy that learned how to make it. So, <laughs> so I think the way I grew up eating it, birria has to be goat. Uh, that's number one. And, um, you know, Aron, when we talk about terroir as chefs, champagne, tequila, these have to be from these regions. And I think birria is now all over the Republic of Mexico and cooked with different animals, sometimes beef you see in Tijuana and then and you'll see lamb across the border and Michoacana or everywhere else. But the way we grew up eating it is with goat. Um, and La Barca, Jalisco, where my dad's from, where my grandpa's from, their style is very, very unique in the sense that it needs to be made with the goat and it's done with a tomato-based consomme. So it's completely separate mm -hmm. from the goat. And on top of that, after steaming in the oven with the pencas de maguey, They marinate it in a red mole and then they roast it in lard. So it has this beautiful texture um, of crispy, tender. And it's, I think, in my opinion, I think Aron already started a turf war with the saying Chicago is the best food city. And he's right. I know LA is going to have something to say about it. Maybe Houston. I love both cities. But mm -hmm. but La Barca Jalisco Birria has to be number one for me in terms of flavor, interesting and textural contrast. So that's me. Does it have, is it spicy? Because I wouldn't need it. What I went to the university in, in Guadalajara and I put, wouldn't need it because I didn't like the gaminess of the goat at that time. They weren't, you know, I wasn't so sophisticated. I was, I was in a cattle ranch, but our cattle grazed on, on, on oregano plants and had a different smell. And, and so I didn't eat it until recently when, when it has become so popular. It's been amazing to read how all of a sudden this, So traditional Mexican dish is now the hot dish in the United States. You know, there, there was a big article in the New York Times the other day and and Eater and it's all over the place. So it's wonderful to have you here too, here to have you both of you here and to not only learn about birria, but learn about how it's been working together with your son, Juan. And and John, uh, John Singer, maybe you can talk a little bit about, you know, 2007, you started to open, you know, Birria Zaragoza. What was the perception and, and the response at that time? Oh, man, the response was uh, we didn't I didn't know what it was. The response was going to be because uh, we didn't have Birria. Uh, it wasn't as prominent here in, in Chicago. There was one, but it was made more like uh, Sarela 
what you were talking about back to Guadalajara. By the way, uh, uh, most of my family, I have some family in Guadalajara that attended the university there. Um, but one of the differences why people kind of like stay away from birria is because when they were young in Mexico, and of course I'm just speaking about Mexico, Mexican culture here. Um, when they were young, they either saw the goat being sacrificed, right? So they're like, oh my God, how could they do that to that poor little goat? And then the cooking process that they did inside their home, it's like menudo. It just stinks, right? It's bad. It smells horrible as it's cooking. But once it's it's done, it's it's tasty. So in the years that I've been there, I don't, I've been asking people, why didn't you like it initially, you know? And the way I have to describe the, the birria now, the one that we make, like, doesn't, it's not funky. It's not gamey because we don't utilize the drippings of the goat, which is what most people use. So as soon as you walk into a birreria, any birreria, especially in Guadalajara, it's in a consomme. And the consomme is the drippings of the goat. That's that gaminess that boom, it hits you right in the face. And you're like, oh, my God, I don't want to eat that. But we remove that, you know, we we remove it and we just leave the meat just with the kosher salt cooked overnight and let it rest. Once it's ready in the morning, put the slather with the mole, uh, uh, ancho base, uh, mole, 11 spices. Although Jonathan says, Dad, you're not the colonel, man. You don't have 11 spices. I'm like, all right. <laughs> let me change, let me change it to 10. Then. Yeah. So I had to change it to 10, Aaron, you know. Yeah, just yeah, exactly. One of the things about mole is that it's very, it can be very personal. You can put as many spices as you want or as little as you want, as long as it's pureed thoroughly and, and has some aromatics as well. That's a great point. Great point. And I think you're talking about Jalisco. People argue that it's the most Mexican of states because, you know, birthplace of <laughs> Ranchero, Tequila, Birria. You can go down the list, you know, Pambazos. You know, you can go, you know, go down the list, right, of, of many, many iconic dishes. But I think Birria stands out. And I think what dis- differentiates yours, like if you go to Guadalajara and you go to the Palenque, to Palenque in the market and have their Birria, their birria, it's very distinct, as you said, very gamey, very, you know, you go to the little fonda, sit at the counter, and then they give you that. I think what makes your birria so special is that final, that coating of the mole, because I remember tasting it, and it had a beautiful texture, because it kind of crisped up a little bit, and all those spices bloomed, and I thought that that was really what made it very distinct, and I think that's what people should really go and seek out when they go to your, to your beautiful birria and, and understand that nuance of flavor. Oh, yeah, and Aaron, and, and thank you, Aaron. and to, back to your question. So when we first kicked it off, I'm like, oh, my God, I tasted this birria when I was a kid, five years old, coming and crossing the border at five years old. I still had this memory, you know, crossing Laredo on a Greyhound bus, he goes, you know, make it here. And I asked my dad, hey, where can we find birria, you know? And he goes, well, it's not the same, but let's go. So we went, we, went, we found the same traditional birria in the stew, which we were, we, I was a kid, I said, oh, that'll do. And I asked him, why don't we have birria tatemada, you know, mm-hmm. eh, dorada mm-hmm. here in Chicago? He goes, no, hijo, uh, it's because they probably can't get the parts, the gold parts, etc. El machito, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I said, all right. But it stayed with me. And then one day, fast forward, you know, now I'm like, I'm 40 years old. I don't know what happened to me at, that day. I woke up, I'm like, you know, I looked at a diary, Sarela, and Aaron, I'm like, what? I had been keeping tabs on what I was doing every day from waking up at the same time, going to McDonald's, getting my croissant, getting my, yeah, I mean, everything to the, the cuando me bañaba, cuando me bañaba, right? So then <laughs> I looked at that and I said, if I were to drop dead right now, what a sad story. 
oh my God, I got to do something, man. And then all of a sudden I tell my wife the story. She said she, she fell back. She goes, what? What do you mean You're, you want to set up a, you know, a restaurant? And she goes, you don't even know how to cook. I said, I know I don't, but I can learn, you know? Anyway, so I, and what are you going to sell? I said, birria. She goes, what? Nobody likes birria, you know? And it, she was right. It wasn't like people were jumping for joy over gamey stuff, you know? But anyway, the, the, the long story longer is that I go to Mexico, learn how to make the birria. Jonathan is there. When I come back, we're, we're working on it, you know, trial and error. Thanks to Norma, man, she, you know, she, she was, she was a cook back then. She, she cooks delicious, right? Norma is your wife. My wife, yes, Arela. So mm -hmm. she's the one that kind of, uh, you know, it, it, behind the scenes, she's running the whole cooking process here. But anyway, so we kick it off and Aaron, to your, to your um, question, it wasn't well received initially, you know, it wasn't until these, uh, these folks came over, Mike Sula and some of those guys uh, that Jonathan Quick story, Jonathan never, once it was time to close, he would lock the door, Aaron. He would be like, no, man, if I was on the outside, he wouldn't let me in because he goes, no, that's it. I got to go, you know. This one day he decides to let these dudes in, you know, unos güeros, you know, they come in. And then among them was Mike Sula, I think, right, Jonathan? Yep. So he, Jonathan talks to them. He says, you know, we're all out. We're closed, but come back tomorrow and I'll give you a sample. But he got them hooked on. And Jonathan, what'd you give them that day? I give him tacos. I think they, I give them tacos de birria. Um, it was John T. Edge was there, Mike Sula, and a bunch of other local, like very, uh, like pretty prominent food figures in Chicago. And I, I was 18, Aaron. So eight, you think of the life experience of an 18 year old, like, man, I'm trying to go hang out with somebody right now. You know what I mean? So at the time, <laughs> I was just like, close the doors and that's it. So this one day, I had some leftover and, I don't know what told me to like chop up some meat and sit them at the bar. It was like 7.30. We closed at 7. Banker's hours, right? And um, they sat down. They liked it. And they started coming back. And the next thing we knew, we were we were in U.S. Airways magazine. John T. Edge wrote a full spread on us, who's one of the best food writers in, in the nation. And, you know, in the moment, I think that's a lot of life. It's like you don't know what's happening and you don't know what's going to mean in five years. And look at us now. It's just, you know. We were thankful enough that the whole family gets to work together and that restaurant has grown along with us. And yeah, it's just amazing what food can do for not only a family, but for a food community in Chicago and for people's careers across the board. That's wonderful. Now, tell me, do you serve what kind of sauces do you serve with it, with the tacos or with, with a birria in general? What are the side dishes or what, what do you serve your, your birria with? So what we serve is, the only thing we serve is the birria. So we have the oven-roasted Jalisco-style birria. And then on top of that goes the consomme de tomate. And the accompaniments are uh, picante de chile de árbol or a chile de árbol hot sauce. And our salsa de molcajete, which is our fire-roasted Roma tomato salsa. And that's it. And cilantro, onions, and lime. And we keep it simple because my dad made a promise to Miguel Segura, uh, the, the maestro who taught him, that he wouldn't change a thing about it. And I think without knowing, Birria Zaragoza is a very both Mexican concept and it is a Chicago concept because old school Chicago is very, hey, this is what we do. We, we like Italian beefs. My dad loves Al's Italian beef and that's all they do. You know, they might have one or two more items on their menu, but that's it. But um, 
That's what we do, and that's always served. So, and it's been received by people. Let me ask you a question. Do you, what kind of onions? Do you do green onions or do you do white onions? White, white para que se vea como la bandera, boom, blanco, so it jumps out. <laughs> you, you know, my mom used to always put hot water over the white onions and yeah. then mix it with a little bit of lime and a little bit of oregano and salt. And oh. it takes away some of the, some, some of the, you know, bitterness and it adds another layer of oh flavor. My God. No, no, it's delicious. I had, as a matter of fact, I had some pozole yesterday, and that was the flavor. Oregano con cebolla limón. It was delicious. Yeah. But, Sarela, real quick. So, we've been serving this. Right now, they talk about the, the quesabirria. I have to share yeah, a quick story. My brother comes in. He sits at the bar. I said, hey, you want something to eat? His name's Jesse. And he goes, yeah, but I'm not sure if I want birria or a quesadilla. Because for little kids, we would make the, the quesadilla, the queso Chihuahua, just on a nice folded tortilla, and then we give them to the kids, you know. But then some grown-ups would say, can I have one for me? And yes, he fue. that's the only thing we would accompany it with, right, in Salsa de Morcajete. But then my brother actually started the quesabirria deal way back then. Oh, really? Yeah, but we didn't market it. To Jonathan's point, we wanted to remain true and authentic. You know, it's like, no, 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 just talk about birria. But that's what happened, and now and all you know, and I'll leave it at that because I'm sure Aaron probably has some some comments about that quesadilla. Well, you know, I've been reading about a, a lot about this, and these people in, in in L.A. set up this truck in front of Nordstrom's. You mentioned marketing, and they supposedly started using all the marketing techniques of Nordstrom's to make uh, birria so popular. Have you heard that? No. It's really it's a really interesting story. I think that if they would be really authentic if they were in front of a Mervyn's. You know what I'm saying? Pero como no hay Mervyn. In LA? Yeah. Como se fue a la chingada, you know, pobre Mervyn. You know what I mean? Then then you would have been keeping it real. Not no, not no Nordstrom's. What kind of shit is that? Yeah. Okay? Anyway. Um, but it's true. I mean, the idea of Biri and how it's become so popular. I mean, at my restaurant at Centrico back in the day, I had it. But I just, I kind of riffed off on, and just did it with short rib. And just kind of made it a little bit more classic like that. Um, but again, it, it's a cooking style, as we said, just to, so for our listeners to be clear. Traditionally, it's made from goat, hails from the state of Jalisco. There's many, you know, you, you have the consomme in one way. If you go to places south near Mexico City in Telpeji de Rio, which is another area, a suburb of Mexico City, I've had, I've had barbacha or, or a similar kind of way where they actually cook the animal and then all of the, the juices go into what you would call a consomme, right? Yeah. And it has garbanzo beans and cabbage and all these beautiful things. And you have this as a, a prelude to the the barbacoa or the birria, right? But I, was, you know, I started thinking about it. And if you've ever gone to Spain in Madrid and had, had a, something called cocido, which is basically this beautiful kind of stew of pork and they have this beautiful sausage called butifarra, and you have the juices of it with fideos as a beginning course. So I'm just always kind of thinking like, man, is that a kind of influence? Maybe the Spanish influence involved into the birria and having the consomme or, you know what I mean? And it did, Aaron. It did. You know, from what, from what I recall, it actually started in Africa, you know? Yeah. With camel. And then, because, you know, goats and everything. And then when the, when the Spaniards went out there... They said, ah, I have an idea. So they bring it back to Spain, and then they went to Mexico and hit us up, Los Aztecas, and we yep. spiced it up, man. We jacked yep. it up, and that's the result that we have. We bring it to Chicago, and there's the end of, you know, 
it's the final product there. But you're right. Awesome. We should describe the, the salsa de molcajete because we're trying to describe every term that we use. So salsa de molcajete is a salsa made usually with roasted tomatoes, roasted chilies, in a molcajete, which is the grinding stone uh, implement that's been used since pre-Hispanic times. Yeah, different from different from a metate. It's more of the it's the round cylindrical mortar and pestle. Just for our listeners, you know what I mean. So, what are you doing at El Oso, Jonathan? Um, so we, um, because of the pandemic, we we shut down for for like a month. Um, but once you know summer rolls around, we're hoping to like you know start it up again. But um, we El Oso was an expression of a lot of stuff. It was the way I grew up eating as a kid the trips I would take as a kid with my parents and now as an adult by myself to Mexico. And it was more kindly, it was a restaurant informed by my travels and stuff that I like to eat. Um, and I think, I don't, I don't know if you agree with this sentiment, but as this generation of chefs are like, you know, born out here with, with our parents being from out there, we're less of innovators as we are kind of stewards for tradition. And exactly. I think I think it's very important to look at where you've where you're coming from to know where we're going as as uh, both people and chefs. So it also was was that pretty much we had a wood burning hearth there. And obviously a big thing in Mexican cooking is cooking with leña and oh. fire. And we talk about the salsa de molcajete or the fire roasted roma tomato salsa at Saragossa's. We're doing the same recipe at El Oso. But it's just done over the wood burning comal, oh, and delicious. the character that that gives, right? That you you talk about Chinese food and uh, the wok, right, and the wakhe flavor. That is such a cornerstone of their culture, and fire is that for Mexican culture. You know, you think about how tequila is made, and usually it's done in, with clay and fire and all this stuff. So that's a big thing we were doing at El Oso is just really simple Mexican food, but just done on the fire. You're being too you're you're being too modest, Jonathan. Your food is beautiful, bro. I'm just I'm just saying, it makes it gives me so much honor to be a Mexican American chef and see that you that the food that you're doing it just it's really inspiring. You know, I heard about you and kind of reconnected with you through my sister Marisa because I know yeah. you talked. You know, you guys are buds and stuff, and she's like, I don't. You got to taste this guy's food, man. It's for real. And so I'm so happy. I mean, just want to reiterate to everybody that's listening about. This beautiful, this beautiful tandem of, of father, son, uh, mother, son, and how we've dedicated our lives to preserving our culture through food. And I think that's there's something to be said about that. And I'm happy that you decided to go on your own because you don't want to live in the shadow of your parent, especially if you're in the same business. It's a big that's shadow. On, yeah. That's why early <laughs> on in my career, I started doing Nuevo Latino and going with Douglas Rodriguez to separate myself from my mom to create your own identity. And I think you've done that beautifully, Jonathan, and and it's a testament to you, Juan, the old, the elder, to uh, set that tone for him. So we're very proud to have you guys. We appreciate that. This episode is brought to you by Honeycomb Credit. Heritage Radio Network listeners can learn more about the power of community capital by visiting honeycombcredit.com slash HRN. 
We all know that food businesses like yours are the backbone of your community. You make your neighborhood a more delicious place to be, and your customers are hungry for more. Food businesses across the country are working with Honeycomb to open new locations, buy equipment, and grow. You too can unlock fair growth capital by allowing your community to invest directly into your business. A crowdfunded loan from Honeycomb deepens your customer relationships and gives them a whole new way to engage with your business. You'll also get access to thousands of local investors in the Honeycomb network who are passionate about seeing food businesses succeed. Honeycomb is the community bank of the 21st century. Fair rates, flexible terms, and no prepayment penalties. Honeycomb has proven to be an invaluable growth tool for all kinds of businesses, from James Beard-nominated restaurants and upstart food trucks to organic farms and award-winning breweries. Best of all, with Honeycomb, you're paying back your neighbors, not big banks. To learn more about how Honeycomb Credit can help grow your business while building vibrant, financially empowered neighborhoods, visit honeycombcredit.com HRN. Just Egg is now the fastest growing egg brand in the United States. Bring more plant-based consumers in your doors with easy-to-use Just Egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st slash hrn. That's ju.st slash hrn. Made from plants, Just Egg is a better egg for you and for the planet. It's healthier with no cholesterol and less saturated fat, and it's more sustainable. Just Egg uses less water and generates fewer carbon emissions. Most importantly, it's delicious. For our listeners who operate a food service establishment, you can get a sample for free. Head to ju.st slash hrn. That's ju.st slash hrn. Just Egg makes a delicious plant-based addition to any menu. It's available as a liquid scramble. Great for omelets, frittatas, stir-fries, and French toast. There's also a frozen pre-baked folded version that's ideal for filling breakfast sandwiches or topping salads. Chef Jose Andres calls Just Egg mind-blowing and Bon Appetit says, It's so good I feel guilty eating it. Put the fastest growing egg brand on your menu. Get a free sample of Just Egg for your restaurant at ju.st hrn. So what has been the biggest challenge of working together? Oh, this is good. You know what? It's uh, we talked, we touched on this. I kind of look at, I like to look at things from the bright side, right? So it gave us a chance to it, it, mingle as a family. You know, it was indeed a blessing. Um, and I try to look at it from that perspective, but it was, it wasn't always, it wasn't mm-hmm. always pretty. You know, there was a lot of, you know, like he was growing, I was growing. And then being there consistently and under one roof, you know, when you're a normal family, you see each other at dinner time, maybe a couple hours here and there. And then the kids off to having fun with his friends. But being within the same place for 12 hours, you can you can you can only imagine that we didn't agree on many things, you know, and he was trying to like tell me, hey, man, no, you're old fart man let me let me do this and i'm like no this is my place let's do so now we can look back and say oh my goodness 
But it, you know, it, it made us stronger as a family unit. We spent more time together working. And then we, you know, we got to the point that even though we fought, we would say, all right, where are we going for dinner? Once we were able to, to, to manage that situation, it was much better than when we first started. So you're saying all those all those disagreements were just because we were hangry. You were hangry. <laughs> Dude, you, you, you crazy. That's why I never worked with my mom. You know, she would say, like, she, she would come to my restaurant. She goes, oh, that was delicious. Uh, is this supposed to look like that? Uh, <laughs> the, little, the little jab? That, yeah, sounds, yeah. that sounds like my mom. That's the yeah. part of growing up in this business is the OG, the, you know, when we re- in hip hop, it's the OGs, right? The the original, yeah. the are the godfathers, right? You yeah. have to pay your respects to them. Yeah. It's it's a rite of passage for your parents or the people ahead of you, your predecessors to say, yeah, no, that was awesome. But, you know, this one little thing and then that little thing that they say makes you think and you're like, well, what do they mean by that? And then you start evolving and then it pushes you. But when you yeah. recognize where that little jab's coming from, it's from a place of love. Of course. And, you know, that's why, that's my restaurant, Paladar, which was my namesake where I made my name. That's why I only did Nuevo Latino. I didn't feel like I knew enough about Mexican food to tackle it. Mm-hmm. So I needed to travel more. I needed to get myself really prepared to be able to really speak at it from a very, a very authentic point of view. You know what I mean? So kudos to you and... You know, when they used to ask my mom how I was doing, my mom used to say, mejorando. He's getting better. Uh, <laughs> work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah. I like that. But one. where's the lie? I don't know. I was just to say, I love my mom's food, but my mom doesn't like my food as much. But, I, now, <laughs> but, but now I love it. <laughs> Thank you. As it should be. Yeah. So what are, what are some of that? What, what, where do you envision... Birria and it taking off, like when people start to devise, say you're just going to do a traditional Mexican restaurant, are you starting to see birria being one of those staple dishes that's starting to pop up on menus? Like, you know, when you go out, you know, you have your enchiladas de pollo, you have all your classics, but are you starting to see more of that proliferate in different restaurants? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know. Just looking at it from, you know, 13 years ago when we got started, you know, birria didn't pop up as frequently as it is now. And like we were talking about the, the quesa, uh, birria tacos, which Aaron, you have to try, you have to try ours. Not, no es por nada, but they are, the, the biggest difference is that hand-pressed tortilla, mm-hmm. you know, believe it or not, I've tasted all of them because I, I love going out and trying and saying kudos to everybody. But and if there's somebody out there that's doing it better, you know, it's more about, oh, man, I got to get going, you know? Yeah. So when you, if you if, if and when you guys stop by Sarela as well, you got to try these uh, quesadilla tacos, man. They are phenomenal with the cheese, melted cheese. It's a hand-pressed tortilla is the biggest difference, though. It's that vehicle, right? And then right before it's fully baked, boom, se le pone la que, le, el queso, the chihuahua, right? Mm. And then it starts releasing that juice, right? The buttery juice. Se le pone la birria. You know, se cierra. And what we do, we lightly fry it. But then we put a, 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 uh, we brush it with mole. Boom, on top. No más para que se pegue. He said, no, no, I don't want to check this out. I love enchiladas. That's one of my favorite dishes. So when you crunch into it, your brain just says, what is this stuff? Enchilada, quesadilla, you know, it's just, and then you dunk it periodically. Fíjate what they call it. It's the dipping sauce. Yeah, la palabra, you know, 
el dipping sauce es el consomé, you know? Y ahí oh. están todos, eh, ahí los, los tengo que enseñar, mira, si se hace, man. So, me la paso comiendo, por eso estoy como estoy. Man. But anyway, you gotta try it. <laughs> But I'm starting to see more of that. Do they ever make the birria with flour tortillas? Uh, a friend of mine, his name is Beto, he made, he made some, uh, es de Chihuahua. Yeah. Y hace unas tortillas, su esposa, bien sabrosas, Beautiful. and he drops them in there. It was really good. It's funny, like what I tell my chefs at the restaurants and stuff, I just try to keep it simple. I always say, if the animal that we're serving has fur on it, put a flour tortilla on it. Everything else, corn, cabrones. You know what I mean? Just to keep it simple. If it has fur on it, put flour, okay? Fish, yeah. veggies, everything else, a corn tortilla, okay? Um, so look, That's a good rule. Yeah, it is, honestly, because, you know, you think about flour tortillas about in North Mexico, where we're from, you know, you use flour tortillas for your carne asada, the whole, the whole thing, right? Um, one thing that I want to kind of bring up, and maybe step a second away from the birria, that my mom and your dad, Jonathan, have a lot in common. They're both, and you, and you Jonathan, actually sing extremely well and play guitar. And my mom is a fantastic singer. And wow. where, was that something? Is that was, is that something that you guys just grew up doing, like on fiestas and everything? Because I'll answer that one because I'm the one that grew up with music. Because <laughs> here's the thing: is like my dad is very he likes a lot. He's like me. He, we like a lot of things, and we like to be good at a lot of things. And it's I think I don't know where it stems from. It might be we're both very competitive. Right. Yeah. But this is a good thing when it's channeled correctly. So this is funny because we I grew up playing baseball and he did, too. And he was religious with training me. And but he never pushed me to like, you need to do this and stuff. It was always just kind of like, hey, you know, if you want to be here, you have to put this in. But with the music thing, it was funny. I think music was for him was a release. So he had a band growing up. And I remember my sister, Andy, who caught the bug better than I did. She's a ama an amazing musician. We would as kids we would like be upstairs and, and they'd be practicing on a Friday night and you could just hear the, the percussion and, and the bass coming through the walls and the two by fours, you know, we grew up in the hood. So it was like the house is yeah. shaking and stuff. Uh, no, I'm kidding. So, <laughs> so, but we at on Saturday mornings, you know, my dad would be sleeping. still. we'd go downstairs and like, like pluck at the electric guitar and like play around with it. And I think that was the, the, that was how it, we were informed to be musicians and stuff. So, For us, it was normal. You know, what's a Mexican party without food and music? Absolutely. You know? My, my mama played the piano beautifully. And she used to wake us up to a song called Alevántate. And now, <laughs> and now I'm doing a, a, a new album. And we're, we're singing along to my mom playing the piano. Oh, wow. that's lovely. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's really awesome. cool. And when I went to shoot with... Uh, With John, with with Senior, we went down and, and we had the best time. And the production crew on the show was so freaked out because they were like, "What are you guys doing? It's it's time. like they're used used to going." Remember, John? And we were like, "No, we're sitting back, man. We're gonna hang out." And we had the best time. We brought a little tequila. Out. We started singing. It was so much fun. That was the best episode, by the way, of that whole season. Mira nada más, mira. Yeah. Woo wee! How much fun was that, compa? I have to I have to tell you, man. It's uh, they oh, people ask me, hey, how how's that dude Aaron, man? How is he, man? You know, they're always asking. I said, oh man, that dude, no man. And he goes, no man, tell me, tell me. 
And I told him, I said, here, I'm going to show you this picture. That'll give you an idea how he is. And he goes, oh, thank you. Oh, man, you guys are, that dude was singing, you know, because everybody, everybody knew you were there. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, how was he? I said, no, man, this guy's from the heart. He came over. We had a great time. But what happens, Arela, I was fine. I was I was professional, trying to be. And then this dude decides, hey, vamos por unas, unas chelas, no, un tequila, okay. And then we're off to the tequila world. And then we have a couple, Arela, and then we loosen up, you know. Yeah. And now we're, and <laughs> That's I'm one like, word for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're fearless. I think I think the word is fearless. Yeah. <laughs> no, no nos importa nada. Is that going that, to a bad karaoke night? <laughs> right, right, right. You know what, though? People, I feel like our families are so similar because before I met Aron, you had already met my dad. And then out of nowhere, we're in Oaxaca and we're sitting down with my friend Patrick and we're having a mezcalito at this random place in uh in Oaxaca City and I sit next to Mar- um, Marisa 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 and I didn't know it was she and she's like we're talking we're sitting there for we're shooting shots for like an hour and she's like yeah my brother Aron is a chef I was like oh really what's what do I do I know him she's like Aron Sanchez I was like holy cow and it came full circle she invites me out to Napa to cook the harvest dinner which I know you've cooked before oh, yeah which is great it's amazing Man, I mean, I, I text him maybe weekly to be like, hey, when am I coming back? But it's such a funny way of like how things come full circle and how our families are intertwined. And um, yeah, I have nothing but great things to say about Marisa and our time out there it was amazing. We cooked mole negro and we took mm-hmm. down 250 pound sows to feed uh, the staff for La Cosecha, the harvest. Wow. Um, cool. And full circle, man. We're, we're recording with uh, with Susanna Trilling tomorrow and and her son. Yeah, he's amazing. With, with Kaylin, Kaylin, who's another great. superstar, with another superstar young chef that you guys are gonna you guys are carrying the torch already. I'm so happy. I'm I'm, I'm getting old for this shit. I, I want to start <laughs> doing some different stuff, man. But um, one of the things that I, th- I think is important to mention is that um, the fact that. You, you, you know, you're carrying the torch, you're, you're, you're going forward, you're, you're moving, you're paying tribute to the food. And I just think that's something that's so beautiful that's being lost. The fact that all of our families are kind of intertwined in Buddhism, they call that myo. It means the universe is conspiring to our benefit and it gives wow. you beautiful little gifts in life. And I think this is definitely that, you know what I mean? We have beautiful gifts that we're given and skills that we're given that we have to preserve and, and nurture, and so I'm really stoked that 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 we've had this chance to talk. I mean, I think somebody's it's great. washing dishes there. Who's washing dishes there? Oh, Banging my wife, pots. Norma, yeah, she's not, <laughs> she's she's nonstop. That's always a, a that's always a reassuring thing that the kitchen's going to be clean because I'm not yeah, very good at she's that. She's that's her domain. Sarela, I was going to say because uh, when you talk about music, music, and you said that your your mom she used to play the piano, Sarela, or was it your yes. dad? No, my dad used to play the organ, but my mom lived a lot longer than my dad. And if we yeah. weren't paying attention to, to her at every moment, she would go in and get the piano and go, Tarum! and that was the call <laughs> to, to stop everything else and go stand by her side and start singing, you know, something that she felt. Like she used to sing this call, a song called Marchita El Alma, because it was a, a very sad song, but it always reminded her of the man my grandfather did not let her marry. Mm. 
Sarela, Aaron, do you remember that the movie the Kamawa para chocolate? Of course. Oh yes. They 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 plagiarized my life. <laughs> okay, that's a little bit of a stretch, mom, but it's all it's all, okay. okay. No. Shit. No. But but watch this. We must have watched it a, at least 20 times. But it is so true because it's it's that music, that thread of music into the fabric of our lives. That ingredient, man, you could tell when I when I met Aaron, mm. you could tell that he came from a family that appreciated the arts and you know the culture and, and without me saying anything. It's and you said it right now. Did you say Beal? Beal? Uh, uh Mio in Buddhism. Mio. Mio. But when you you not know when meow. you when you when you not Mio, but they say <laughs> when you're when you're sitting next to someone, right off the bat, you feel like I know this dude. You know, yeah. I, I I've seen his 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 inner soul. I I felt it before. You know what I mean? I don't know what that means, but at any rate, when you look at music, yeah, you're right. The music it means friendship. Is part is part of it. Is is when you're delivering the un plato de birria. To me, it's like here, take the it, it's there's music, there's soul in it. You know, it's Mexican soul. But I want to show you something. This mm. is talking talking about musicians. That's my daughter. And her band, Anfang. Oh, cool. You got to check her out, man. What is the name? Anfang. The, what we're talking about, her album is called Tunneler. And her and Jonathan, they, they harmonize together, you know. But she, like you guys, in the, into, the, into the, the world of the culinary arts, she was like, Dad, I'm out of here, man. I got to do my own thing. And I'm, I was about to tell her, hey, kid, sit down. Let me tell you, man. Why don't you find a decent job? Right before I said that, exactly. She would have right hated you for life. That, she would have hated you for life, bro. Well, check it out, Aaron. So, <laughs> her name's Andy. I said, Andy, yeah. you know what, Mika? Here's what you should be, you know. And then I stopped and I, and I said to myself, self, don't be a hypocrite. You did the opposite. So don't, don't even try it. And I said, yep. you know what? Take care of yourself and whatever you do, do the in same music, thing. give it your yeah. best. And then when she left, I'm like, I can't believe I just said that. I didn't want to say that. I wanted her to go listen. <laughs> well, you know what? People ask me all the time, what are the best pieces of advice my mom gave me? First of all, but she never pushed me into doing this. I wasn't pre a, a good student. I know it's hard to believe. Um, I was a decent athlete. <laughs> I, I was a decent athlete, but but I, I, I knew how to work hard. So one of the things she told me, she goes, always remember to develop your own style. So when your people taste your food, they know it's you. And you have to have dishes that are so captivating and so inspiring that people just have to come back for that. And you've, yeah. done, you've done that at your, at your place because people are just like, you have to have this. Right. And now, you know, Jonathan, you do carrying on. You know, I always kind of tell the chefs at the restaurant, I'm like, all right, man, we got to make sure we're doing something that is so, so persuasive in the palate that you have to have it back again. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that and absolutely. that birria, that birria sounds like it's it. You know what I'm saying? So right. oh, I, I, man. kudos, man. I think it's so funny that like mu music and food are both very personal for people. And but that being said, it's it those two things are also universal languages. And I feel like we don't find our voice or we don't share our voice until we nurture that voice of hey, I like to cook this. We nurture, 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 and then when we're ready quote unquote, we share it with the world. And it's, it's very hard to do that 
um, for a lot of individuals, but it's such a beautiful thing when you find people that speak your same language, like, you know, my dad and Aron when they hung out with the music and then that bled into food. And, and I think that's a big thing that we're missing now is like with people with the COVID thing, it's like that language has been kind of like broken a little bit. And, but watch it come back stronger after this though. I cannot wait to see what happens after this. And it's amazing to see like what people are doing with both music and food now. And um, I'm excited to see and, and hang out with people after this. And I have a bone to pick with you, Jonathan. You came to uh -oh. New Orleans and you didn't let me know. I find out <laughs> you're at, at Pinchi, uh, at Bacchanal. So I'm going to let that one slide. But from now on, you have to hit me up, okay? Done. Well, now I got your, num I got your number now. So it was funny because okay. I was doing the pop-up at Bacchanal Wine. Yeah. We did birria there. And um, Joaquin, who's awesome. Yeah, right. He, he's like, hey, I think Aron's upstairs. You want to go meet him? I was like, Aron who? Again, right? With the <laughs> same Marisa situation. He's like, Sanchez. I was like, man, this guy, man. And we're like, uh, what's that mariachi movie when he keeps missing the guy he wants to kill? It <laughs> <Exactly>. is. <laughs> so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one. So, you know, and we finally got to meet in New Orleans and and now we're buddies and, and we get a, I, we should do something after this is all up. Absolutely. And remember this whole COVID thing, Again, not to quote Buddhism again, but every obstacle creates opportunity. So I think after all this, we're going to be all right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And after all this, we have to say goodbye soon. Yeah, we do, sadly. <laughs> so here's the deal. I want to make sure that everyone knows um, and supports uh, our two lovely guests here today, our familia from Chicago. Uh, of course, we, we've had the pleasure of, of rapping and talking with John Zaragoza, senior, and then his son, very talented, uh, Jonathan Zaragoza as well. I want to make sure that you guys check them out. You have to go to the south side and go to Birraria Zaragoza, which is a staple. Been there since 2007. I've shot there. You want the real deal, go check it out. For me, it is the best birria in America, hands down. So if you don't like it, tough, tough teta. All right? And then you have to go, and then you have to go check out, of course, uh, Jonathan's restaurant, El Oso. Uh, when things are a little more stabilized, obviously, in Chicago. Um, but really a beautiful, dynamic family. Um, we're so proud. Que orgullo. You guys make us proud with everything that you do. We've been very honored to have you here with us on Cooking in Mexican from A to Z on Heritage Radio Network. So we're stoked about that. We're going to have you back for sure. We'll find some subject matter to talk about whether it's how you used to look in the 70s, uh, John Sr. with your band and all that, or we'll figure something to talk about, okay? All right. There will be no lack of conversation, believe me. I don't think so either. That sounds great. But it's been absolutely lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having us. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. Gracias. Abrazos, huh? Nos vemos pronto, huh? Abrazo fuerte. Yes, we'll see you soon. Okay. Hasta luego, Sarela. Bye. Hasta luego. Cooking in Mexican from A to Z is powered by Simple Cast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. 
And we couldn't do it without your support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Yeah.